welcome to Deadline Day, the football mastermind transfer review show where we're going to be breaking down all the latest rumors and done deals in the month of January. I'm John Townsend and I'm joined by my co-host Declan the Bob. Hello. So Declan, it's the most wonderful time of year for me at least because I absolutely adore this shit. Transfer, the transfer window has now officially been open and there's already been a couple of done deals. Starting off with Everton, who've already had two deals done. They've so far signed Nathan Patterson for $12 million, who looks to be a pretty promising right-back for Rangers, although he hasn't got much game time this season considering the club captain is a starting right-back. But from the moment he has been given on the pitch, he has looked pretty good, as well as Vitaly Mikolenko, who was bought for around $22 million. But the thing that I think me, along with every single other Everton fan, is losing their mind over is you have Luca Digne, who for some reason, for some idiotic reason Rafa does not like to the point where he's starting Ben Godfrey, a very right-footed centre-back at left-back in a match against Arsenal. Declan, do you have any idea why Rafa just does not like Luka I, I I don't know. I think that part of it has to do with um, Everton's leaky defence because that has been a major concern for, for them this year and I don't think that Digne is necessarily a player that Rafa sees being a long-term success in his system. And I, I really like the the signing of Patterson. I think that he's fantastic. He comes with a swagger that not many 20 year olds have. He's already a Scotland international. He can deliver a ball like anyone else. And given the way that Rafa likes to play, I think he's going to fit perfectly. I wouldn't be surprised if he plays when we see Norwich, uh, when we see Everton in action next against Norwich. So I would really be, I'm, I'm really excited about this signing. It looks to be a fantastic signing. And given that he was born in the year 2001, the, uh, the Glasgow native is, uh, is, is set to have a lot of success in Merseyside. I wouldn't be surprised if he's a long, if he's a long stay. And we've already seen Scottish, right. Uh, Scottish fullbacks succeed at this level. Andrew Robertson, Kieran Tierney, just, just to mention two. So I, I see a lot of success in this man. Yeah, I think it's as well as could be a great signing because they were also linked with Denzel Dumfries in the summer, but they didn't have money then for some reason, whereas they have money now. That's a little weird, but whatever. At least they got someone in. And that's a position that they were that all of the fans wanted to see improvement on because Seamus Coleman, who's been a mainstay in that Everton squad for a decade at this point, He's getting older. He doesn't have the same pace on the ball. He's had a few notable mistakes, to be, uh, for instance, against in that Liverpool match where he mishandled the ball, leading to a Mo Salah goal on the other end. They needed to bring in replacements. I'm, If I had a nitpick this, they already have John, uh, John Joe Kenny, who I quite like, but it just adds a bit more competition at that spot. But just looking at, at Digne, May, you just have to make it up to, 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 to him because he's one of the best left backs in the Prem on his day. He's one of the best creative left backs and puts in an amazing set, uh, set piece delivery as well. And for an Everton squad lacking in creativity, lacking in chance creation, it makes no sense to me why Dini has been phased out of the squad like this to the point where they're rumored to be loaning him out to Chelsea for on a six-month loan, but then bring it back and sell. It makes no sense when they have they already have money issues with uh that's why they didn't spend much in the summer dealing with financial fair play. 
to spend 22 million on Mikolenko, who I like Mikolenko. I think he's going to be a good left back in the Prem. But it just seems it seems like taking a hammer through drywall and then spending 22 million to patch that up when you could have just left it in the first place. Well, there's clearly some tension between Digne and uh, and Rafa, so I think that that has to be taken into account. And Rafa's a demanding manager; he's my way or the highway. And if Luke, if Lucas Digne doesn't want to get along with with the system, then there's no there's no point in trying to force him to to stay around. And I mean, they were out early, and they they've bought well. Mikalenko was is at 21 years years old, a full international, and. Patterson at, at 20 years old is also an international. So there's no double checking or there's no, there's no second guessing the business that they've done. It's good business. And I think it fails to adequately solve the problems in Rafa's squad, which is defense and, and, and is going forward. But the, I think the two players come in and fill an obvious hole in, in this squad that, that Digne leaves when, when he leaves, because it's all but confirmed now that he will yeah. be going, whether that's to Chelsea or somewhere else. They still need to bring in some depth at left back, though, because without taking into, the, into account that Denier has not been playing with Everton at all, they only have one left back on the team, which is Mikolenko, who just joined. So whether it's finding someone in the academy who can fill in as a depth left back role or something, they need it badly with, with, with Everton. Because I wouldn't, if you already have issues with the financial fair play, I wouldn't want to then buy another backup left back when you've already spent uh, upwards of 30, uh, 34 million on two fullbacks so far in this window. But saying, saying Digne does manage to get over to Chelsea, the crosses he will put into Lukaku. Lukaku, if he's still in the, in the squad at this point, which we may get to later, if, he, if somehow they get Digne and Lukaku way back into the squad, that will be such a fantastic dynamic duo to watch uh, to watch each week. But let's now look at the other end of the spectrum in terms of money rich. Newcastle United they have a ton of blood money now and they are wanting to spend it. And looking at some of the issues with the squad, they're giving away way too many high quality chances. They're leaving Dubavka just out to dry with the amount of chances they're giving up inside the box. He has one of the worst save percentages in the league, but I don't think it's much to do with his fault. That's more the the high quality chances they're giving up in front of him. So bringing in a center back is going to be a massive, massive target for them. So this transfer window and as well, reportedly the position that they are going for is left back, center back and right back. So they just want an entire new back line. So it looks like they agree with my thinking. And Declan, they have been linked with Sven Bartman. And we were talking a little bit beforehand about the fee that they may have been that they may be having to pay, which is reported to be 60 to, 60 to 70 million. Do you think Sven Bauman will patch all the holes for this Newcastle's back line? I don't think he'll patch all the holes, but he comes in as one of the best, def- sorry, not one of the best defender on this team. Newcastle has suffered from a lack of investment for years. And you can go back and listen to the episode we did um, in the preview when we talked about this lack of investment, or you can go back and you can listen to the episode we did in the wake of the of the actual transfer, or sorry, of the actual purchase of Newcastle, and listen to what Jamie Smith had to say about about this squad and how it has lacked investment. And I think that that is most pronounced in the back line. 
you know, I think the only Premier League quality player in that back line is Jamal Lascelles. And I, I imagine he'll be the only one that actually stays for this Newcastle squad. Dubravka's a quality goalkeeper. Newcastle always seemed to have quality goalkeepers. But outside of that, it's not much. And, if, you know, we were having this discussion off air that Botman isn't really worth $60 million, But I think you have to factor in two things in that price tag. And that's the Newcastle tax on top of the Premier League tax. And so, you know, the Saudi, the, the Saudi foreign wealth fund has all the money in the world. I, I, I can't remember the exact figure, but I think it's something over $300 billion. Um, 60 million is something that they blink at for a player as young as Botman was born this century. He's 21 years old, was a mainstay in that Lille back line in the year, in, in the previous season when they, they were crowned champions of France with the best defense and, you know, you can credit some of that to Mike Magnon, but those numbers have continued this year. They've given up a lot of goals, but part of that is who they have in net this year. And I think they, I think they have the worst expected save percentage um, compared to actual goals given up in, in all of Ligue 1. And part of that is the squad is patchwork. So I do think that Botman will solve a lot of problems. He's a guy who can move the ball. He's a guy that wins the ball back relatively convincingly. And also a player who is used to high pressing style that we see in the Premier League, not necessarily under Eddie Howe, but this is a guy who came up through the Dutch ranks. He is Dutch. And part of that tactical intelligence will, will, will be huge. He's, a, he's an Ajax product, and I see him being a huge success if, if Newcastle are able to secure his services. Looking at the stats, he's an excellent ball progressor. If he comes into this Newcastle squad, they immediately counter start. Uh, they, they immediately start their counter attack going the other end. I questioned a little bit of, of his defensive numbers, although, as you said, Lille had one of the best defenses in the league in Liga last season. How far it's fell off last se- uh, this past season really raises some concerns for me as a. I like to use the term Rolls Royce center back, someone who is just you plug him in and he immediately turns into the engine of your team. Uh, Harry Maguire was called a Rolls Royce center back. I don't think he is. I think that's very generous to call him a Rolls Royce. But you you just you need to bring in someone of that caliber if you're spending that, that amount of money. But do Newcastle have the reputation? Do Newcastle do Newcastle have the ability to bring in a Rolls Royce striker when they are staple gun to the relegation zone i don't think they do but by that logic i don't think that they should be spending that much money when they're stable to the relegation zone at that spot what i th- i think the sensible transfer would be bringing in uh, james tarkovsky for very little i'm sure you can get him for 5 10 15 million probably upwards of 50 million because then they know it's newcastle but bringing in someone like him who's very defensively sound, who can immediately link in, go into that back line and start week in, week out, I think that would be the most sensible transfer they can make for that back line. But I really just don't see Burnley selling a player to Newcastle. I, Why not? They could lose him in six months. Yeah, but they're putting their own relegation further at threat. It's, that, that move makes sense a lot on paper, but when you consider the situation the two clubs find themselves in if i was if i was the sporting director at at burnley which i should never be a sporting director i'd be horrible at that job but uh <laughs> if i was i'm not selling to newcastle i'm not selling to watford i'm not selling to norwich if someone further up the premier league pecking order want him fine i'll, I'll sell him to them and there's going to be attention paid to him by people further up the table 
I'm not selling him to Newcastle regardless of how much money I get, whether unless it's a ridiculous amount of money, more than 15 for sure. Maybe if you add three zero. More zeros. than 15 with a guy you could lose for free. Yeah, because how important is Premier League survival? Now, this is bleeding into our other show, but um, I just don't see a Tarkovsky being an option. I think that Newcastle do have to go um, to foreign lands to find a new center back. And, you know, if they can convince Sven Botman of the project, that would be huge. Because, you know, I don't think in this position they're going to be able to sign a Rolls Royce center back. Well, moving away from center back and looking at four backs, because they have been heavily linked with Kieran Trippier who, as a recording, um, Fabrizio Romano, the go-to person for transfer news on Twitter, tweeted out that that deal is most likely to be confirmed within the next couple hours. So, Kieran Trippier for $25 million. Do you like the transfer? Do you not like it? What's your thoughts? I think it's perfect for Kieran Trippier. Um, you know, he gets to, to return home to England. He hasn't been training, but he's been good with, um, with Atletico. I think that he's left some to be desired, but... Still, I don't think he'll be too upset with the way things went in the Spanish capital. But he's also 31, and you'd imagine that this is really his last big payday. He's a player who can still do a job, um, and I think definitely an upgrade on who Newcastle have now. I think Newcastle have done a good job in recognizing where they need to improve, and you know, Trippier is offensively minded enough but still provides that solidity on the defensive end which is i think when you're in the relegation zone something you can't sacrifice um i think that trippier and we're assuming that this deal is all but done is is a fantastic signing it's a fantastic start an england international and honestly when was the last time newcastle had an england international on their squad I mean, back in the days of Michael Owen, maybe, but it's been a, definitely been a while for uh, for Newcastle. I have some reservations about this deal because he is 31 years old, and typically, once you get once you get around the age of 30 as a wing back, it does not tend to go very well. But considering that it's Newcastle and they have more money than they know what to spend, I, I I'm not as upset with this deal as I would be if it was another club spending this money for for Kieran Trippier. Um, he immediately immediately improves their their offense, um, fantastic set piece delivery, and he's not he's not so attacking minded where he's useless defensively, and it's not vice versa. He's capable on both ends of the pitch. So overall, I think this is just a solid signing. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think it works for both players. You know, you'd imagine that it's a three or four year deal where Kieran Trippier is going to be paid the sun and the moon, um, especially to prime away to go to a club like Newcastle. I think it makes I think it makes a lot of sense. And for those curious, the last England player, uh, England international for Newcastle was Andros Townsend in 2016. Wow, back in the doldrums of 2016. <laughs> so six years. But it is kind of funny that Kieran Trivia went from playing in a, in a Euro final and playing the Champions League to now relegation scrap in Newcastle. Just one hell of a wake-up call for him. Looking at some of the other issues, though, with, the, with Newcastle, they have the lowest average possession in the league with an abysmal 38%, which is not very characteristic of an um, Eddie Howe-led side. So for someone, because I haven't seen many links for a center, central defensive midfielder linked with Newcastle yet, but someone I would definitely go for is, is Dennis Sakaria, 
who can play in a in a box-to-box role if they want to push him a little bit further up the pitch by still having John Joe Shelby in. But I think he's immediate replacement for John Joe Shelby. He he's very very defensively sound. Two interceptions uh, and two blocks per ninety. Very reliable ball distributor as well with ninety percent pass completion. Can even play center back in a pinch. So if you don't want to spend the ridiculous fee for Sven Barman, you can sign him for hopefully less. He does have six months uh, left on his deal, so you can probably get him on a decent fee. The only issue is you may have competition with the likes of Bayern, Dortmund, Man United, and Liverpool, all reported various places to be interested in him. But Declan, do you have any other suggestions for, for that spot, or do you like the Zenit Sakaria pick? I like the Sakaria pick. I think that uh, everything that you lay out is is very logical, and I think that you know he's he's a realistic signing for this Newcastle squad, and I think that that's that's part of it. Um, if you look at how City grew in the post, uh, or sorry, in the post-purchase era, a lot of it was through guys like Zakaria who who come in. And Zakaria is not no slouch of a name. He he's playing Champions League football with uh, with Borussia Mönchengladbach, but that squad seems to be falling apart after Marco Rosa left. And really, uh, I mean, I, I, we won't go down in go down too far into this, but what a complete fall apart from the from from Marco Rosa, who is already fired from Borussia, or sorry, from Borussia, shit, from from Borussia Dortmund. It's it's crazy, and I think that he's a player who perfectly fits that mold. But I think it's a question of if they can get it, and if they can, he's he's an incredible box to box midfielder who provides a lot defensively. And given that the likes of Bayern, Dortmund, Manchester United, and Liverpool were in the conversation to get him not too long ago is, is, is crazy. And a player that if Newcastle can get it is a big statement. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, I don't think it's any doubt. And I think just returning to Sven Botman again, that's what the Botman signing is. The Botman signing is a statement. It's we're here. We're on the main stage. You know, we may overpay a little bit, but could they get a player like Botman under, under Mike Ashley? No. And I think that that's part of it, part of that. And once again, I, I urge you to go back and listen to our conversation with Jamie Smith in the aftermath of, of the purchase by the, by the private investment fund of Saudi Arabia. Part of that is selling hope. That is the whole idea here. The whole idea is to sell hope. The whole idea is to sell hope packaged in a Saudi Arabian flag. And Botman fulfills that. But I, I, I also think in discussing Newcastle that we can't forget some of a lot of the real qualms that people have with this deal not to bring us back there again but i think it's always important to keep that in your mind and looking actually a little bit further down the pitch because they had a ton of issues as we said in terms of creativity with the squad with most of the time just relying on uh, alan say maxman to do something spectacular i was thinking who could they possibly bring in as a replacement i an answer could be signing jonathan david who we'll be talking about a little bit later on when we talk about lille um, who they could probably get for around 45 million, which I think would be a fantastic signing. But thinking more of a, from a creative standpoint, who could they possibly get? I wouldn't mind t- them taking a punt at Aaron Ramsey. Now, normally, as we've said, not a big fan of signing guys over the age of 30, but considering Alan Rams- uh, Aaron Ramsey, you can get for pennies on the dollar. I really think you can get him for under 5 million from Juventus just to get the wages off the books. I think if you can you get him can... for almost free from, you know, from Juventus. Exactly. If you can get him to down to decent wages, 
he's still probably going to be the highest earner on your squad. You can't you can't get past that. But if you can get him down to like under in and around two hundred k a week, I think you get a really high quality creative playmaker in the midfield who can who immediately increases the attacking output on that squad. You would need to buy a defensive defensively capable midfielder alongside him I, if i think if they only get aaron ramsey and they don't find that defensive uh, defensive workhorse like a zakaria i think that's not going to work out very well because i don't back john joe shelby to do that defensive job that he's kind of there to do but as long as long as you get that i think pairing aaron ramsey in the midfield with joe willock that midfield trio could work really well off of each other I think it would be asking a lot of that defense midfielder. Aaron Ramsey is, uh, is is not the player he once was. And he's also not a player who can play week in, week out. Um, and I think that that's something you have to keep in mind. He hasn't played a full season in years. Isn't okay. because he's playing at Juventus? No, no, because I think that he's one of Juventus's best midfielders. And that's saying something. That Juventus squad is strong. But Aaron Ramsey is, in my opinion, one of the most underrated players in the world. I, I think he's incredible. And you see what he does with Wales. But what was that crazy stat that he hadn't played a full 90 minutes in over a year and a half when he played 90 minutes with Wales? He's a guy who whose body is just not up to playing to playing week in, week out. So that that's something you have to keep in mind. And I don't think he's a player who will take a wage cut. Um, because if you're him, why would you take a wage cut? I think I think we have to put ourselves in in, in Aaron Ramsey's shoes, but also Newcastle are, are a team that can pay that wage. It will mess up the whole wage balance budget, but you know if you're if you're if you're Premier League club first of all, and if you're Newcastle United, you can pay those wages, especially for a mercenary who can come in and get the job done. Come in in matches where you can't unlock a defense. Come in where you need a guy who can spring balls on the counter. I think Aaron Ramsey's your guy, and you know. I haven't heard many of these rumors, but I think you pointing this out is it's, it's, it's a very smart, I think it's a very smart deal. Yeah. Uh, I think me and you disagree a tiny bit. I do definitely think he has had, had, had injury problems, but I look at the management uh, from Juventus the past couple of seasons with sorry, having to balance a massive squad and kind of failing with that. Um, and all of a sudden Pirlo comes in and that, that doesn't really work out with, with Aaron Ramsey. I definitely think that uh, ha- having him come from, having him come from the Premier League where he's always had English as a first language in where he's, where he's played all of a sudden going to, going to Italy. I definitely think that's probably impacted the, his playing time a little bit. Um, but he's also had injury concerns in the past. As long as he can play two or two out of every three games with, with Newcastle, I'd say to go ahead with that deal. I think he's it, it, he immediately adds quality to the midfield. John, um, this season, across all competitions, Aaron Ramsey has played 112 minutes in over five games. I said there's a reason why they can get him for, for a very cut-rate fee, and that's just not playing him. He hasn't played, he hasn't started a game since the first day of the season, of the City A season where he played 60 minutes in a 2-2 draw against, against Udinese. You know, I think it's important to keep in mind that Aaron Ramsey's body is, is old, has dealt with injuries, and is a real concern. 
it's a real concern. Last season, he played just over a thousand minutes in the city on 22 appearances. I think it's a real concern. How amazing is it that Arsenal had two wonder kids in the midfield, him and Jack Wilshire, bodies both just fell apart due to injuries, even though they had immense talent. It's how unlucky is that that your golden generation just has those injuries. But another guy that they've been linked with, before we move on to uh, talking about legal, is Bovetan Diaz, also known as Ben Burton, who is the Chilean wonder kid for Blackburn, born on Stoke-upon-Thames, I believe. And he's been a red, red hot form in the championship. Somehow, the and we, as football fans, we've always known him as Ben Breton, but now he's going by Breton Diaz because he's with the Chilean national team, which I just adore. And in 25 games, he's had 20 goals with this Blackburn squad. Maybe he should have waited to change his allegiances <laughs> until now. He's only 22 years old. He's linked with uh, Newcastle for 20 million pounds. And if, if they can get him for 20 million pounds, sure, that's a fine deal. I think he's, at least at a championship level, very capable. I would be a little hesitant considering that he hasn't had sustained success for year upon year upon year. It's kind of just like one season and he's going off. It could be a bit of a difficult get considering Blackburn a second in the championship right now. But if they get him for 20 million pounds, I'm fine with that deal. I think it's important to keep in mind that Ben Brereton is really in the driving seat here. His contract is done at the end of the season um, with him having an option for a further year with the club is to my understanding. And I think that this would be a great signing, not for new, not only for Newcastle, but for anyone who gets him. Uh, he's been in and around. Uh, he's been in and around transfer talk for a few years. Hasn't gotten the move, but I think he has all of the makings of a Premier League striker. Um, you know, I think the club that would actually suit him best might be Brighton and call me crazy for that, but I think he fits that style very nicely. But what a, what a deal that would be for, for the Chilean, for the Chilean wonder kid who, you know, Chile, Chile, Chile found through football manager. What a, what a wonderful story that they found out his allegiances through football manager and just a quick story. Uh, on his way to meet up with the Chilean squad for the Copa Americas uh, last summer, he was stopped by, by a Chilean border guard, asked why he was coming into the country. And he told them to play for Chile. And they didn't believe him. They stopped him at the airport. They stopped him at the airport. They didn't let him through because they didn't believe he had to call, he had to call the manager. That's and fantastic. yes, John, it is true that they found his, his, nas- his, na- his second nationality through football manager. Football manager, the game that keeps on giving. That's that's fantastic. I actually really like the shirt for him at Brighton because I agree, he really fits that formation well. They need a striker. Twenty million pounds isn't a lot for a Premier League club. I'm, I'd sign off on that immediately. And I think that I think that his experience in the Championship translates very well to success at the Premier League level. We haven't seen it necessarily throughout, but it's. Guys who have come from the from the lower leagues, they may not give you all the goals right away, but they'll give you something that you can't really you can't really describe. And I see it with players who have come up through the lower leagues. They battle, like Mikel Antonio, like Jared Bowen. And I'm just picking West Ham examples because they're at the top of their mo- top of my mind. But 
Yeah, Ollie Watkins, Neil Mope. All these guys who will battle their shithousers. And especially in a situation like, like this, even if a guy's not going to score you, score you the goals, he's going to energize and inject just that little bit extra that you need to get, to get over a match on a rainy Wednesday in, in Burnley now. Mm-hmm. He has a and nice Chilean flair. <laughs> <laughs> well, moving on though to Lille, as they've been having a fire sale since last season. They last season they sold Mike Magnier, uh, Bubakai Samore, and as well just recently sold J- Jonathan Akone to Fiorentina for 15 mil. This is a squad that won Liga last season and had a phenomenal year, a fantastic defense. And it's kind of all fallen apart this season, as right now they're in eighth in Liga, scored 26 goals, given up 26 goals, seven draws as well. It's just been a bit of a season from hell. But if you sell that many players, what, what else do you expect? Currently, they have uh, Jonathan David on about a $45 million price tag, Sven Barman on a 60 to $70 million price tag, Renato Sanchez is transfer marked at 33 million, but he's also rumored to be exiting as well. Declan, can you please explain why Lille are selling their golden generation once again? I think that the whole story is the financial situation in France. You know, PSG's business might have blinded some from the real problems going on in France, but the head of the French FA said at the end of last season that Ligue 1 is on the edge of, of financial collapse. It's it's in a state where it's not manageable anymore. And there's real conversations in the French in the French media, or there was at least, that 20, 20 clubs is too much for the top division, that there's not the quality and there's not the finances to finance them. Um, part of this goes back to the problems with the French television rights that were up for auction right before the pandemic started. And a, a three billion pound deal fell through in February of 2021 with Barcelona-based MediaPro. Um, Amazon was showing games uh, for a while. It went to Canal Plus for for a cut rate deal, and it was pandemonium in the French leagues. And then you know Lille have their own troubles with finances. They had a major investor pull out two seasons ago at the start of the 2019 season, and are still yet to replace that money. And I think it's also important to keep in mind that Lille themselves are a little bit of a basket case. They've been a club where managers have come and gone. And that includes Chris, Christophe Galtier, who was the manager to start the, to start the season last season and won them the title and left. He's now the coach of Nice uh, in a much better financial position. And, you know, you mentioned Magnon, you mentioned Ikone, you mentioned um, Samare. These are all players who left because Lille has no money. And so I wouldn't be surprised if Botman and David and Sanchez all follow that route. And Lille, once again, is struggling for relevance. It is brutal. But I think that we can't get lost in the ire of Premier League clubs spending hundreds of millions of pounds when Lille, a very reputable club who is a European regular, is in the doldrums financially. It makes very little sense to me. A squad that... Because the French national team routinely has talent coming coming through those doors. How a, how a country that has had so many great players, how the the league system isn't considered one of the best in the world 
makes very little sense to me, considering the amount of talent that they produce year on year on year. It makes just sense to me that Paris Saint-Germain, even before they got bought by, by a ton of money, that Paris would have a fantastic club, considering the amount of tourist attractions that are in, that are in Paris, that, fan, that people are going to be coming in and out throughout, throughout the world. I think the problem in France is that the league is mismanaged, that we know what works to, to make money. The Premier League has set an example. We, we've talked about it once before with Italy. We, we can talk about it again with France, that there isn't the same kind of payments paid out across the league to make all, all, the, all of their teams financially viable, that the interests of the league serve, serve the biggest club in PSG, that there isn't a proper TV deal in place, that stadiums are run down, decrepit, and there's a real stadium problem. And then there's problems inside the stadiums where fans throw things at players and get, and get themselves banned. And, you know, France itself is, is in this very strange political moment that I don't feel qualified to talk about, but also plays a big role in this where they're turning to the populist right. And that has reflected in the stadiums in a lot of the problems. France economically is just not doing well. So all of these factors come in come into effect in soccer because it's not it's not devoid. They're, they're one problem and the same. And you know, Lille are an example of this, a club that has not been run well, a club that is lacking investment, and then is lacking investment from the league. So I think all of that comes together. And if you want to listen to something um, I, I like to recommend people the medium that they're in. I highly recommend you go check out um, On the Continent. Um, a lot of excellent episodes delve deep into this. You'll want to look around February 2021 when the Media Pro deal or the winter or last winter, almost a year ago, um, to listen to Andy Brassel talk a lot about this. He, he's, he's spoken eloquently on it and articles in The Athletic and in uh, CBS Sports, the New York Times did a very fantastic piece. Uh, I'll try and I'll try. We'll try and get some links down in the description if you want to expand on this because this is one of the stories, the biggest stories in sport that aren't being talked about. Mm-hmm. You're, you're right, and actually, I just as you were uh, as you just mentioned on the continent, which is a fantastic podcast as well. You guys should be uh, you should listen to that as well. Um, I was thinking actually to a TIFO video I just saw recently about the situation in France with uh, kind of what's going on with with Liga and the reason why that. There's so many issues with fans um, throwing stuff on the pitch or just being going on the pitch in some cases. A potential reason for that is because a lot of the stewards that were in place for Liga left and they're getting other jobs in when when the when Liga shut down and they haven't returned to work. So it's a whole bunch of people with very little experience right now being the stewards in these matches being dealt an incredibly difficult hand because it really seemed like coming out of the pandemic, fans forgot to how to behave at a match. Just got a little bit more rowdy, a little bit, little bit more chaotic. And stewards don't have the experience to really know what to do in this in the situation, which is no fault of their own. It's just they don't have they they haven't been on the job long enough to know. Um, so it's just a, a difficult situation all around for, for Liga. But let's let's now move on to doing a bit of rapid fire for these transfers that have been confirmed 
these uh, players that are rumored to be leaving. Let's go down the list. First on, for Ferran Torres. He's signed by Barcelona for $55 million. This is done and dusted. However, he can't be registered with Barcelona's squad right now. They have asked uh, him to take a bit of a pay cut. They've asked Dembele to take a bit of a pay cut, as for the past couple of seasons, they've been asking him for that. But with Barcelona not being able to register him, and currently, I believe, they're sixth in La Liga, do you think this was a good idea to bring in Fernand Torres on this massive transfer? I don't understand. Like, this is a club that's struggling to keep the lights on and they're spending $55 million on a player. Um, I just I just don't get it. I Frankly, I just don't get it. I know that Aguero has, has now retired and... Um, that was a that was a huge hit, but I don't think he played for Barcelona. I I do not get what is going on at that club, and I would really love someone to explain it to me. I think that uh, <laughs> I think that the next podcast we have to start, John, is clubs falling apart and why they're falling apart. Because I have seems, a lot of candidates for that pod. I was going to say it seems like there's there's a lot of clubs that we could we could be talking about. Um, yeah, I don't I don't get it. He's a great player. But that's a lot of money for a club that doesn't have any money. Exactly. And when they already have two phenomenal wingers in Pedri and, uh, and uh, Ansu Fati, both of whom have been injured quite a bit to start off the season. But still, you're, you already have two fantastic wingers who, are good at, who should be leading, the lead, uh, leading your line for years to come. Why are you spending $55 million on another winger who, yes, can play centrally as a, as a false nine, but it just seems idiotic when your club is already a billion dollars in debt. You decide to take out a loan to free up some money in January, and you decide to spend it all in one splurge on a player you don't have a need for immediately. It just doesn't make much sense why you would even be taking a loan out in the first place. Wouldn't, wouldn't it be wiser just to sell off the assets you already have or just continue playing youngsters, recognize that, Look, this year you're not you're not winning anything. We're lucky to get in Europa League. This is this is this is now the reality that you've created Barcelona by spending four hundred million on Griezmann and Coutinho and Dembele. But it's so important that Barcelona continue to have some European revenue come in because that's the buying they're in. They need money, and the way you get money is sponsorship deals yes but qualifying for european competition going deep in european competitions and this squad isn't built for it so they're in a real bind here and so you know they do need to bring in players but they also have to trust their youth because you know you mentioned pedri already there's gavi there's ensufati these players who have real quality raul puig is also another one there's not like there's not quality around this barcelona squad squad but they're bloated and they're weighed down and we didn't get into the Xavi talk, but I don't get this move from him. I just, I just don't. Mm-hmm. For him in particular. Yeah, because he was always going to come back. But why now? He's had to had some promises from the board that, look, no matter what happens this season, you will ha- you'll be here for the next three years no matter what. But looking at like what Chelsea did when they had the transfer ban, when they weren't able to buy anybody for a season, how, but at the start of the season, they looked at that squad and said, yeah, you might get Europa League. It's not that talented. By letting the youth play, that raises their transfer value. 
if Mount has a great game, all of a sudden Mount is touted for, for England. If all of a sudden Reese James emerges, Tammy Abraham emerges, this is how this is how world world football works now. If Barcelona fields their academy each each game, if one of them has a good game, all of a sudden their transfer value doubles. It's it's what happens. If they trust their youth, there's gonna be some growing pains. It's I'm not saying they're gonna be winning the league or anything like that. But there is some potential there. They do. They have one of the best academies historically in the world. If they trust La Masia, they will get through this. They just don't have to spend fifty-five million on Ferran Torres when they can't even play him. Anyway, moving on to Dusan Vlahovic, another guy probably boss is linked to some for some reason. Arsenal have made a fifty-five million pound uh, de- um, deal for him, plus in uh, in installments, plus Luca Torreira. Um, for Dusan, he's rumored to be considering um, Spurs, Man City, Newcastle have been linked to them as well, but doubt he's going there. Declan, you say uh, Juventus had a favorite to sign him. Why do you think that? I mean, it just makes sense. That's what happens when a player blows up in the city. Yeah, he goes to Juve before he gets before he gets his giant move. Look at what Chiesa did. You know, it. That's this is what happens. Um, but. I think a 55 million pound um, bid for him is a slap in the face. This is a hundred million pound player. I think he, I think he's one of the next big names in football. You look at what he's doing to the city. uh, He's tearing it up. He's at the top. If, if not the top goal scorer in the city, uh, this kid's the real deal. And he is 21 years old. And only getting better. He's only getting better. He has 16 goals in 19 matches in the City A this season. He scored 39 goals in 2021. This kid is insane. The way he links, the way he links play, the way he finishes, the sky's the limit. And there's, I don't think anyone really knows where he's going to fall. Um, you know, if I'm a betting man. My money is on Juventus because historically this is what's happened. But if he ends up in the Premier League, it's going to take more than a 55 million pound bid. It, it just is. It's 55 plus a 15 million uh, deal for Lucas Torreira. So it'll be 70 million, but you'll be shipping 15 the other way for Torreira. So that's why it is 55 million. But I wouldn't go as far to say it's 100 million or bust with, uh, with uh, Vlahovic, but. I also agree. He's a fantastic player. He, as you say, he's been lighting up Serie A for the past couple of seasons. Um, and he's going to be getting a big move eventually. Interesting to hear, though, that Juventus is before the big move, because I would think Juventus is the big move, considering the stature of the club. But, yeah, he's a phenomenal player, and sooner or later, he's going to get his massive move. Looking, though, at Adam Atroyoe, another guy who's been at Wolves for a couple of seasons and has been linked all over the place, he has not played much with the with Wolves this season. Only some bench appearances here and there. Whereas last season he was a starter. Rumored right now that Wolves only want twenty five million for a twenty five year old, which I think is insanely low for a guy with game breaking speed, one of the quickest players on earth. But Spurs and West Ham are in on him. Declan, as a West Ham supporter, how excited are you for the possibility of getting Adam Atoyoye? Looks like a striker. (laughs) 
in a in a David Moy system, he looks like a striker. Um, I I think he he's unreal, and that is a cut rate fee for a player who, in the past, has been has been exceptional. He hasn't scored this season, um, but he's appeared in eighteen games. He started nine of them so far. He's a Spanish international. Players players have up, ups and downs in in their careers, and those happen. But I think part of that is also the way that Wolves are playing this season. And Wolves haven't scored very many times. They have the lowest goal-scoring record in the Premier League, if I'm not mistaken. If not, it's bottom three. They've only scored 14 goals. 15, sorry, because they scored against Manchester United, if if I'm not mistaken. Yes, you know, you're right. They haven't conceded very many. And a player like Adama Traore is quality. This is a guy who's, who's a La Masia graduate. I, I think that a lot of people forget that, but he was before he went to Aston Villa. He has the quality he needs. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he goes to Spurs or he goes to West Ham and has a success. Yeah, he's... Uh, I, I entirely agree. I think selling for 25 million is insanely low for a player of his quality. Like I, I would expect close to 40 for him. So... If they get if they, whoever gets him for that fee has gotten a fantastic deal no matter what even as a rotation option he's amazing um looking though at a bit of toronto news not often we get to talk about tfc on this pod but lorenzo I, Insigne, I, I think this is their first mention yes probably is lorenzo senior has been all but confirmed i'm pretty sure it's 100 official 100 confirmed he's 100 confirmed uh Fab, give it the here we go. If he's if it's here we go confirmed, then Lorenzo Insigne is on his way to Toronto as we speak. He's going to be earning, I think the fee is 11.5 million euros per, per season, or is it 16.5 Canadian? I think I heard. It's he's he's a phenomenal player. Um there's not much I can say bad about this deal because the MLS is where many midfield maestros go to thrive. And at 5-3, normally I would look at this and say, five-year deal, earning a ton of money. He's over the age 30. He's a small guy. This normally doesn't age well. But this is also the league where Giovinco won, won, the, uh, won the MVP award. This is also the same league that where Pozuelo won the MVP award. Young players, uh, short players thrive in the MLS. So, Insigne coming off of a Euro win, I, I think this is a fantastic signing for TFC. And it's probably going to mean that Altador, as everyone expects, is going to be uh, released at the end of the season. Um, but he hasn't really performed well for the past two, three seasons, even though I think any TFC fan kind of always will love Altador for what he, what he did to win the MLS Cup a couple seasons ago. But TFC now have the best player in the MLS. Declan, you as excited as I am. Unquestionably. And this is a squad that struggled this season. They finished 13th in the Eastern Conference. They got 28 points. They only won six games. It's a, it's a real statement of intent. This squad is here to play. And, you know, I also think it helps the MLS. Insigne is making a boatload of money and you know you can't you can't crack him for it I wouldn't be surprised if there's some regulations that come in because his contract blows away everyone else's 
TFC have the two highest earning players in the MLS in their in two of the three designated player spots. Pozuelo makes four point five million million Canadian dollars a year. Lorenzo Insigne makes sixteen point five. So let's keep in mind that this is this is a crazy deal. But Lorenzo Insigne is still a player who can do bits. And Torontonians love a small Italian maestro. Let's not forget that. Um, I love Lorenzo Insigne. I will be buying a TFC Lorenzo Insigne jersey. Um, I don't think I can be neutral on this one. I love this signing. It's exciting. It's exactly what this city needs. And I don't believe that it happened. It happened so quickly, too. Mm. It's As soon as I started seeing the rumors pop up, I'm like, Okay, maybe it could happen, maybe not. Who knows? But MLSC, as we were talking about before the show, they have an unholy amount of money. They're owned by Rogers and Bell, two of the biggest corporations in Canada. They own the Leafs as well, which is just a cash cow. And And because... And the Argos. Sell down with the Argos. Wouldn't say they're a cash cow, but they have a ton of assets that generate money. And for a designated player spot, you can... You can put that salary at whatever number you so desire, and it will not matter at all for the salary cap. So let's say, for sake of argument, this contract ages poorly. Well, you can bury Insigne, uh, Insigne's contract a lot easier than you can in any other major major top-flight league, being its EMLS. So I think the downside of this deal is very minimal. You're signing a player who's in his prime, who has been very good in Serie A for the past couple of seasons. And I, I think it's a fantastic deal for TFC. The only thing I would say is hopefully that because they already have Pozuelo filling in one of the dozen player spots, now they have Insigne, hoping that they get some defensive-minded player to fill that last spot. And hopefully now with Insigne, we're able to attract another high-quality player um, like a... Uh, like a Blazeman Tweedy with Inter Milan, that type of defensively capable player, throwing out names like a Granite Jacker, that type, that type of mold of a player. Hopefully, it's not Granite Jacker because I, I'm not, do not want that. But that type of uh, player, I think TFC could go for. And there are, there is talk that this is not the last thing they're going to do. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Pozuelo gets moved on. Um, I was reading Walking the Red SB Nation's TFC blog. Uh, it's fantastic if if you haven't looked if you haven't seen it. Great great coverage. Um, there's talk that there's another name. Someone else is coming in, and that is exciting. TFC had a season that is inexcusable this season, and changes are coming. It's great to hear if you're a TFC, uh, if you're a TFC fan. But moving on to the last player we're going to be talking about today. Frank Kessier is one of the best players available right now in the transfer window. And as we were talking about Newcastle, I do not think he, uh, he's going to be going from AC Milan to Newcastle, but that's the type of player that a lot of teams need. That type of box-to-box workhorse midfielder who's on an expiring contract that's expiring in the summer. AC Milan are most likely not resigning him. Uh, I think I heard that they offered him a contract um, that was well below what Kessier is desiring. And there's a ton of teams interested in his signature, including Liverpool, PSG, Arsenal, uh, Napoli, Inter Milan as well. We finally goes to Inter. But where do you see Kessier fitting in the best? Um, wh- which club do you think Kessier would fit in the best? I think he's perfect at Liverpool. 
honestly. Um, I think Liverpool need that diminutive box-to-box midfielder who can, you know, play the attacking side of the ball, but is an engine and a workhorse. And Kessie is also one of the smartest players in the city. Uh, the way he reads the game, the way he disrupts play, it, he was crucial to to Milan's title title challenge last season. Um, he's a big loss. And as you say, John, Milan offered him a contract. Uh, I read it was around 6 million euros uh, a season, and he wants 8.5. And they're far apart, and I really don't think that they're going to find a way to come together. Um, I don't know if Milan will sell him, but he hasn't been playing much. I think he fits perfectly at a team like Liverpool. He's a player who can press. He, as I already said, he's an absolute workhorse. He's diminutive on the ball. He reads the game really well. And that's what Liverpool need, frankly, with an aging Jordan Henderson and an Abby Keita who's come more into the fold this season, but hasn't really worked out. I think he's a logical replacement for Fabinho, who's getting up there in age. I think Liverpool makes a lot of sense. Now, if if they're willing to pony up and pay that money, um, it'll be interesting. I think, uh, honestly, he'll go to PSG because they have all the money in the world, and that's where young Milan players tend to go, uh, i.e. Donnarumma. But, you know, I think whoever gets Frank Kessier is is doing a fantastic bit bit of business. Yeah, I agree. Um, do you think, though, that because you said uh, Liverpool would have to pay uh, pay a decent bit of money, do you think that they would approach him to sign in January or would it be an end of contract situation? I imagine it will be an end of contract situation. Yeah, it I, makes sense. I think that that is what, what ends up happening. But there, there were I was reading that there's rumors around that if teams want their 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 opportunity to sign him when the competition isn't as stiff. That that is an option that Milan are exploring. Yeah. Well, if wherever Kessier goes, he's going to be a valued player and he's, he's a world-class player. This is someone who I've liked ever since he was with Atalanta. As we were talking about Rolls-Royce centre-backs, he's a Rolls-Royce midfielder. He kind of just does everything. No matter where he goes, he's going to succeed. And I mean, from a from a Premier League standpoint, where you you support West Ham, I support Man United. I'm hoping he doesn't go to any other club other than ours in the Prem. But yeah, he's a fantastic player, and he's only 25 years old. Astonishing! So it's amazing he's 25 because I've I've been a fan of his for a long time. So who knows when if this is even his peak? I I would argue he's the best midfielder in the in in the city out right now. Over Milinkovic Savage? Yeah, I think so. I think I think they're they're very similar players, but you see what Kessier has been able to contribute to Milan and the way that they've surged up the table as part of that. And where 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 Lazio have been, you know, I think that I think that the position in the table speaks for itself. And that's good though for the show. We'll be off for the rest of this week as it's FA Cup weekend this week. Next week, we'll be back on Monday for the next episode of Deadline Day. And then later on in that week, we'll be back for the Long Wall Preview Show. If you enjoyed this podcast, please give us a five-star rating as it really helps grow the show. And thank you for listening.